Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. This week, we are talking with Christy Walker, who's a Catholic sobriety coach. Welcome, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Why don't we get started by just telling us what brought you to this field? I think it's a very unique one. You are our first sobriety coach that we've had on. So tell us a little bit about that journey for you. Yeah. So first and foremost, God brought me to doing what I'm doing. Um, But even to give you a little background, I am um, a recovering alcoholic. I've been sober for 26 years. And I say that I'm a recovering alcoholic because that just tells you how severe my attachment to alcohol was. I honestly can't even remember ever having just one (laughs) alcoholic beverage ever. It was like, once I was hooked, I was hooked hard. Mm -hmm. And so at the age of 23, I got sober. Um, I did do 12 step program um, for a couple of years. And then I just kind of, it was kind of me and God and me just kind of working through uh, my sobriety and learning how to live a life in a very alcohol saturated society. Um, without drinking. And so it got easier and easier. So anyway, what brought me to this is that um, I had seen, I actually found a journal that I had written in like six years ago. And I had seen a couple of, um, well, I had heard something on Catholic Answers. And then I saw uh, Scott Weeman, who is the founder of Catholic in Recovery. Like I saw both, I consumed both of those in the same day. And so I wrote in my journal, like, God, I feel like you're asking me to use my recovery to help other Catholics who are looking to get sober, to drink less or not at all. And um, I don't really know how you're going to do that, but I'm going to trust you (laughs) to just lead me and guide me and put people in my path that are going to help me do that. And so um, last year, I started taking classes to become a certified life coach. And I just really was drawn to helping Catholic women, especially who are desiring to drink less or not at all for any reason. I love that. So how long have you been doing this then? Just I started it back in June. Okay, great. So Mm -hmm. new to it, but so good. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit like why do you think people have a hard time kind of acknowledging when they're drinking too much or if they have a problem? Because I think, you know, I'm sure we all know someone who were like, you could drink less. Like it would actually be really good for you if you would, (laughs) you know, like they don't acknowledge that. Yeah. I think it's, it's a couple of things. Like, first of all, I think it's pride. Like I've got this, it's fine. I don't have a problem, a problem. Like people don't want to, they think that admitting that maybe they're over drinking automatically means that they're an alcoholic. And that is just not the case. We all, just because I overeat one day doesn't make me a food addict, (laughs) you know, just because I shop like a crazy person for a couple of months and then stop doesn't mean I'm a shopping addict. Mm -hmm. So it just means that we get, we kind of have to dial it back, use some temperance and figure out uh, what's going to work. But I think part of it too, is just fear, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, well, everyone else is going to be drinking. (laughs) I mean, what am I going to do like at parties or what am I going to do when I'm invited to like a winery or 
you know, there's all of these fears that come up Mm -hmm. and, and then there's like, why can't I drink like a normal person? Why can't I control it? So then there's kind of like the self, like you're beating yourself up and that self self self-loathing that comes into play too. Absolutely. And what would you say is kind of the difference between somebody who isn't, is an alcoholic, like is an Mm -hmm. addict in that sense, or somebody who just often overindulges, like, is there a difference to you? And like, what is that? So that's a good question. And it's really, I mean, you can't necessarily go to a doctor and have them diagnose you as an alcoholic. Like that's, there's not really, I don't know. I mean, there's certain like perimeters and standards, like, is it affecting everything in your life? Is it consuming? A lot of times people think, oh, if you're an alcoholic, then you're like, out on the street, you know, like you've lost your job, you're in jail, you're all these things, but we all have different bottoms that we reach. And thankfully um, my bottom was higher than what some people's are, but it doesn't mean that I couldn't have gotten there if I continued doing what I was doing. So um, I think that it's just important to realize that we have to look at ourselves and look at our drinking and find out how it is affecting us. So I usually say that if like the alcohol is controlling you and you're not controlling it anymore, then you're probably over drinking or at least it's creating some chaos for you. And that's when you want to get curious and start looking at it. Why am I drinking? How am I drinking? What are the triggers? What are the urges? Why am I giving into to it all the time? How much am I drinking? And, um, yeah, again, that doesn't mean that you have a drinking problem. It just means that you might need to set some perimeters and boundaries for moderation. Now, if you can't moderate and you can't keep those boundaries and it's causing problems at work, at home, you know, you're blacking out, that's a real sign that there's a problem, um, then that's when you need to seek some professional help, I think. Makes sense. Um, and you know, from your perspective with the people that you're coaching in your own life and that kind of thing, how does drinking kind of get in the way of us living our best life, especially, you know, thinking of our Catholic faith and all that, like, how does that impede us from being able to do that? Yeah. So it's funny. I was thinking about this yesterday because I went and got glasses because I'm going to be 50 in January. And so, and my very kind young eye doctor said, the more birthdays we have, this happens. (laughs) And yeah. And so anyway, I kind of got to thinking about it as I was like driving home, it was kind of weird. And I was like, you know, it's kind of like having glasses, right? We kind of, when we're drinking and it's controlling us and it's kind of darkening our will and our intellect, it's kind of like blurring things. Mm -hmm. We don't like, I don't know. We just don't see things as clearly. It's not as crisp. And we could be living a very fine, very good life, but there's just this distraction that is kind of clouding everything or even kind of blurring it. So when people stop drinking, a lot of times they're like, oh, I didn't realize it was affecting my sleep. (laughs) I didn't realize it was affecting my gut health. I didn't realize, you know, all of a sudden they felt so bad for so long. They forgot what it felt like to feel good. And Mm -hmm. so once they eliminate it or they get to the level of sobriety that works for them, 
they're like, oh, you know, I have the mental clarity I want. I'm feeling better. Um, And then it just kind of goes into focus. And it also helps enable us to hear God's voice more clearly, because if we are constantly distracting ourselves with a drink, you know, we've had a really rough day with the kids, or we had this client that was just really tough, or, you know, we've had things going on. And if we turn to a bottle or a substance or something instead of God, then we're not going to get the answer. We're not going to get the clarity. We're not going to get the resolution that he would give us. We just get shame, guilt, and regret the next morning when we're like, I did it again. Why did I do that again? No, that makes total sense. Um, So what tips can you share with us for people who maybe don't think they have a problem, but want to drink less, right? Like maybe they're like, Mm -hmm. I want, I want to eliminate a lot of Mm -hmm. the drinking that I'm doing. What, what tips do Mm -hmm. you have for them? Yeah. So this is something I've navigated for a really long time. So there's a lot of different tips. And the first thing is just to kind of manage your mind around it. And what I mean by that is prepare yourself. Like Susie is going to ask me if I want a glass of wine. I don't want a glass of wine. I have these goals I want to keep. So I'm going to have to say no. She's probably going to keep asking, but I'm going to keep saying no. You know, just kind of preparing yourself. The other thing is bring your own non-alcoholic beverages. And there are, I mean, when I when I quit drinking, there was like O'Doul's and that was it, which I was happy for it, <laughs> but that was it. Now there's like all sorts of like non-alcoholic beers and wines and spirits and champagnes. So bring your own because people do not, they do not think about those, the non-alcoholic drinkers sometimes. Some people are and do, but a lot of times they don't. So don't count on anybody else. Bring your own um, non-alcoholic beverages. And, um, And so that kind of prepares you. But, and when you're at, like an event. So I just went to an event uh, with my husband the other night and I usually just order something fun, like a mocktail or something. And once in a while, the bartenders will make it weird or they'll put it in like a weird glass, not like a cute, pretty glass. And I'll be like, seriously, can you like put it in like a nice glass? Because there's just something about that that's uh, fun and festive. And it's not about the alcohol. It's about like the celebration and the specialness of it. So yeah, that's what I would just, just advocate for yourself. Make sure you bring your own stuff and, you know, just prepare your, prepare your mindset. That's great. I think it's so true. You have to like think ahead of time, right? Like we have a family <laughs> wedding coming up and it, exactly like my brother and I were just talking the other day, like, okay, how do we navigate this? Cause they're Mm-hmm. big drinkers we're like okay like mm-hmm. we don't want to be doing that the whole time so like how are we mm-hmm. gonna like prepping ahead of time because if you just show yeah. up like it'll be fine it's probably not good mm-hmm. right <laughs> yeah it's not it's really easy when you're not prepared to you know it's like if you start a different kind of eating plan right if you're like oh I'm gonna eat like I'm not gonna eat like sweets or things like that if you're not prepared then you're just gonna grab for it because it's there but if you're prepared and you're like i'm gonna put these up higher or i'm not going to have them in the house or you know those types of things you can 
definitely set yourself up for success by planning. And then you can even think, what if it gets really uncomfortable? Like, what if everybody is sloppy drunk and I'm super annoyed? Like, I don't want to be annoyed and mad. So I'm probably just going to excuse myself and it's going to be fine. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. Just like, I'm really tired, you know, and that. So always have an exit strategy too. That's another tip. (laughs) So smart. Why do you think it is that I feel like alcohol, especially is one of those few areas that if you like abstain or practice moderation, people are like, what's wrong, what's going on. Right. right? Like for right. women, it's like, are you pregnant? Like there's so many things yes. that you're like trying to navigate and you're like, no, I just don't want to drink right now. And like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of social pressure around choosing not to and what's happening. Yeah. I think that is as opposed to other things. I don't know. Even coffee, people don't push you to drink coffee as much as they do alcohol. Right. Or they'll be like, you don't drink coffee. That's weird. <laughs> but, but with alcohol, it is, it is a really, it's a real thing. So I think that it's just because it, again, has saturated our culture. I was watching Jurassic Park with my 10 year old and my husband. There is so much drinking in that movie, like a lot of drinking. And I was like, I didn't notice this when I watched it like years ago. No, oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't Jurassic Park. It was, um, oh gosh, what's that Indiana Jones movie? Oh, yeah, one of the- okay. Uh, Lost yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, okay. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry that it was that not Jurassic Park. Sorry. And yeah. um, yeah, it was I just could not believe how much drinking there was. And the lady, she was like so upset and she was like drinking all this. And I just you know, it's in our music. It's in TV. It's in movies. And then there's, you know, what we grow up around. So if we have parents that entertain and we're kids and they're like, okay, my friends are coming over and we're going to, you know, have grown up time. And then they make cocktails and they do all this stuff. And you're like a kid and you're upstairs and you're looking down and you're like, oh, I can't wait till I can do that. You know, it's almost like a rite of passage or like you feel like a grown up. So sometimes when I go out and I order a mocktail, I have felt like, you know, like there's a Shirley Temple, <laughs> you know, like my 10 year old. But you know, I just kind of feel a little, and I asked myself, like, why do I feel that way? I shouldn't feel that way, especially after all this time. But again, it's just been ingrained in our culture and there's no other drug, which alcohol is a drug. There's no other drug on earth that people would be like, you should, you know, like you should have some cocaine. It'd be really good. You would have a way better time. You would loosen up. It would like help, you know, like that's ridiculous. Nobody would say that. And the same with like cigarettes, because people used to smoke all the time on airplanes, which blows my mind and everywhere. But nobody, if you see somebody smoking in front of you and you don't smoke, then it's kind of like, oh my gosh, like that's invading, you know, but we would never encourage them to like, keep doing that or offer some, offer someone who's not smoking a cigarette if we do. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's, it's really interesting when you start to think about it. And then there's like this whole mommy wine culture thing, right? So when my kids, my oldest sons, they're twins and they're 16, it kind of started to be a thing, right? There was like the bachelor nights and people would have wine and watch the bachelor and do all this stuff. And that's great. But I think moms were using it for two reasons. One was to like have community and be uh, together and have like some grown up time after being with kids all the time. And then the second is like 
to numb out because they were so over stimulated from the day and they didn't know how to calm their bodies and, you know, kind of cope in healthier ways. And so that's been a real thing. And we see it on wine glasses. We see it on t-shirts. We see meme after meme after meme. And, you know, it's just this thing and it is not doing any of us any favors. Yeah. It is interesting how even, you know, you go to home goods or anything like that. And there's mm-hmm. all these things about beer and wine o'clock and, and mm-hmm. all of this kind of stuff, move over coffee. It's wine's turn. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're like, okay, wow. Like we don't have to yeah. glorify this as much as our society seems to. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, it was funny. Cause I was at, I, I think I was like at home goods or something. And there was an actual like glass that you put on top of a wine bottle. So it was like, you're drinking. <laughs> like out of a glass that's like a wine bottle and I was like that is just I don't know sometimes I'm so like amazed and then other times I'm like why am I so amazed (laughs) like this is how it goes um you touched on it a little bit earlier but I wonder if you could share with you know with our listeners any other kind of like health things that I think people don't necessarily realize about alcohol, Mm -hmm. right? You mentioned like sleep issues and people are like Mm -hmm. well it helps you fall asleep like I fall asleep right away after having a couple Mm -hmm. drinks but like Mm-hmm. Are there any things like that that you can share with us that people probably are clueless or maybe aren't as yeah. aware of? Yeah, there's there's a lot and I'm not going to go into all of it, but and people don't like to hear it. Right. So. Alcohol, you know, it's it's ethanol, so it's ethanol that is sweetened, that is like, you know, made to be like this beautiful, wonderful taste that we pair with foods and and everything, but it's essentially, it's ethanol and we're drinking it. So it's essentially a poison, but people don't want to like think about that and uh, really look into it, but it does contribute to seven different types of cancer, especially breast cancer in women, which, you know, my grandma had breast cancer. So I've always been really like, nervous about that and aware, but I had no idea until, you know, about a year ago that it, you know, increases your chances of getting breast cancer, esophageal cancer, you know, all of that. (laughs) And as if moms don't have it hard enough with our mom brains, right? Alcohol actually shrinks our brains. It causes memory loss and it causes all these things. Now, just because you've had that, if you stop drinking, then I think from my research that I've seen, it does improve over time, but you know, they always are like, you're killing brain cells or whatever, but it's like scientifically, scientifically proven that it shrinks your brain. And so, uh, yeah, that I don't need any more of that than I already have going on. No, exactly. Yeah, and I had heard too, yeah. that even just one drink can disrupt mm-hmm. your sleep or like your deep sleep yes. the next three nights. Like it's not just a one right. night thing. And like, yeah, you might feel like you mm-hmm. slept through the night after drinking mm-hmm. that, but really you're kind of messing up your sleep for days. Right. And that part of that is, so it does help you fall asleep, right? It's a sedative. So it, does help you fall asleep. That is true. And it does relax you. That is true. But what happens, as you pointed out, all of a sudden, these women are noticing and I have clients that are like, I have insomnia. When they stop drinking, they realize they don't have insomnia. They were waking because of the way that their body was processing the alcohol. And then it also helps you. I mean, it makes you gain weight because 
when you put alcohol into your system, the first thing your body wants to do is get rid of the alcohol. So it's not doing the other digestive things that it needs to do. Its main job at that moment is get it out. So those are some things that, you know, we don't think of. It also dehydrates you. So all those creams and wonderful things that we do to try to keep our skin looking, you know, fresh and young and, um, and everything when we're drinking too much, it's drying it out and it's, we're kind of counteracting what we're doing. Oh, that's great. That, I think that's helpful. Cause I think people would just, I don't know, think it's like a non, a non thing or not that big of a deal, but it's good to know mm-hmm. like, look into some of the actual mm-hmm. physical effects. Um, I so- would, sorry, I would recommend, um, there's a book by Annie Grace and it's called the naked mind. And I would recommend anyone to read that who really does want to um, find out more about the effects of alcohol on the body. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it was very enlightening for me, even as someone who hasn't consumed alcohol in many, many years. um, I was like, wow, I didn't like realize all that. So yeah, no, it's so good. Um, what advice or suggestions do you have for people who maybe have a family member or a friend who we mm-hmm. feel is kind of drinking too much? Like, what can we do? How can we support? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really hard thing. So if you have someone in your life who is constantly over drinking, let's say you have, I don't know, like a sister who, whenever you go over there, she drinks too much, then she picks a fight and it's just like this thing, right? And if you told her, you have, you're drinking too much, you need to stop doing that. She's just going to get madder about it and really defensive. So one of the tips that I would have is just be very clear and set boundaries. Like if, if you're going to be drinking, then I'm not coming over Mm -hmm. or, you know, after she's had a little bit too much and you're like, I'm out, like, I'm, you know, in a very kind way, just be like, yeah, I just, I need to go. I'm tired, you know, whatever it is. Um, It's really difficult because if we just keep, we can, I think it's good to plant those seeds. Like how many have you had? Or, you know, I don't think we need to be afraid of speaking the truth, but when it starts to be nagging, that can um, make their shame even greater. And then they'll drink even more. And so that can kind of not that you're causing it, it's themselves and their mindset and where they're at. So I just, my biggest suggestion is just set really clear boundaries. I'm not going to buy this for you. I'm not going to be around you when you're doing this. You know, sometimes it's spouses, you know, that's really hard when you're in the same house and your husband's over drinking to be like, you know what, if you're drinking, you're going to have to sleep in this room. If you're not, then, you know, we can, you know, but you have to set boundaries and by you setting boundaries and really taking care of yourself, you're actually helping, um, the person with the, with the problem. Absolutely. How do you either for yourself when you, you know, quit or for your, your clients that you coach, how do they find their life different? Kind of like the before and after right? Like the, while I was drinking Mm -hmm. all this and then after, like, how, how does that change besides kind of some of these health things that we already talked about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of times women come to me and they're, they just have this, 
these self-sabotaging mindsets. I'll never get it together. I have no willpower. I, you know, like my, my friend calls it like the inner mean girl, just like bet, 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 bet on you. And I feel like one of the biggest things that happens is once we do have that transformation and my clients are able to get to that place to where they are at the level of sobriety that works for them, that kind of stops. And I think that that helps them think more clearly and kind of coach themselves around what is going on. So if they're in a situation, they can, they might have a thought like, I want a glass of wine. Okay. Well, why do I want that glass of wine? It doesn't, that's fine if you do, but why are you making that choice? So then they can kind of work it out. I want it because I want to celebrate and I I think it would be great. Great. Is that going to make me feel bad in the morning? No. Will I be able to stop at one? Sure. You know, so it just helps. They learn how to get curious about it, how to, how to manage their mind around it. And eventually those urges get less and less. They're, they kind of quiet down. And I think that that's a big one, but obviously like health, relationships, the anxiety, that's another thing I haven't even mentioned. So a lot of times women drink because they are feeling all of this anxiety. It helps in the moment they wake up in the morning and then they have what some people call hangxiety, right? So they have like this hangover anxiety, which is even worse because then you have shame attached to it Mm -hmm. and it's just a vicious cycle. And then you promise yourself, like, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do this tonight. Five o'clock comes around. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm going to. And then you're breaking promises to yourself. You break promises your, to yourself. Then it's, it just doesn't feel loving, right? We don't break promises to people that we love and care about. And we need to do that for ourselves as well. Yeah. Makes total sense. Um, I'm curious in terms of your own or again, any of your clients, like what kind of helped you make that, that final decision to be like, I'm, I have to do this. Like I have to do this for me. I have to do this for my life. Like, and it probably varies Mm -hmm. based on the person, but like, are there Mm -hmm. certain like themes that you're seeing? Yeah, it varies a lot. So for me, it was like, if you don't get it together, you're gonna, I don't even know what's gonna, (laughs) you're gonna die. You're gonna get in a wreck, you're going to end up in jail, you know, so again, mine was very severe. That's not the case for most of my clients. For most of my clients, they get to a place where their thoughts are very consumed by when am I going to drink? When, what am I going to drink? I need to get to the store. I need, you know, so they have all their whole day is revolved around planning and preparing and looking forward to drinking when they could be, you know, using that time for, for other things, which they don't always notice until it gets really bad. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is that they're worried. Maybe they have a family member who's an alcoholic or who has been a chronic over drinker. And they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to get there. And honestly, anybody, anyone, can become 
an alcoholic, not alcoholic, but you know, like to attached and be consumed by addiction. Anyone can be addicted to it because it's an addictive substance. So a lot of us can stop it or moderate Mm -hmm. or set boundaries. And those are the ones who, you know, kind of get a handle on it. And then there's those that don't. And then, you know, they can be a lot of times, I'm sure most of us have known people who we might consider like a functional alcoholic, like for the most part, they're fine, but now they're having liver failure and their skin looks, you know, not that great. And they're, they have all these health issues and, you know, so we just kind of see them physically deteriorating, even if it seems like they kind of have it together. Um, you know, they haven't lost their job. They're still married. Their relationships are fine. Maybe they're happy drunk and people like to be around them when they're like that. Um, but it takes its toll for sure. Absolutely. Um, okay. Final question. What, how would you define like a healthy relationship with drinking? Like, do you think that's possible or Mm -hmm. do you recommend most people just give it up because it's so bad for you? Like what, what does that look like to you? Oh, well, Healthy is a funny word, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, so I think it's healthy for anyone, but that being said, I'm not going to give up sugar. (laughs) I like sugar, but I'm also not going to overconsume it and, you know, suffer the health effects from having it too often. So I think it really depends on the individual for some people. They just want to know that they can have an alcoholic beverage when they do go to a wedding, when they do, you know, go out to dinner with their spouse, when they, you know, and that's fine. And then other people are like, you know, I want to have two glasses of wine on Thursday night and that's my thing. And, you know, great. I think as long, I think it's a healthy relationship if you're calling the shots. If you're making the decision, if you're not acting out of just like this urge or emotion or a thought that isn't, you know, creating an emotion that causes you to want to drink. So I think if you can make that choice from a place of peace, Mm -hmm. great, do it. But if it's causing chaos, that's when you need to kind of examine it a little bit. That makes sense. Um, I appreciate that. Anything else, Christy, you want to share with us before we sign off today? Anything we didn't cover or you want to mention? Well, I just want to say if anybody is looking to get curious about the role that alcohol plays in their lives, I do have a free guide. It's called the Drink Less or Not at All Catholic Guide to Freedom. You can find it by going to my website or um, Instagram. I'm the Catholic sobriety coach there. And it has like some actual coaching questions that I ask my clients. Um it has just a habit tracker. It has mocktail recipes. It's 12 pages of like actual tools that I use with my clients and you can have that for free. Awesome. We'll make sure we link to that in the show notes as well and to your website so people can find you for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Christy. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time today and sharing all your wisdom with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Podcast. If you enjoyed it, there are a few quick things you can do to support us. Share this episode with a friend, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, or visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.